0: The weather outside is frightful, and the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. So, hey, Dr. Bill Sinyard here with the Gospel App Ministries. We're calling it a Gospel App Christmas Story with a twist of lemon cranberry and sprigs of thyme. I just popped into my head. I don't know what it means. Like I said, every year we try to do something that would make us smile a little bit, think of the gospel a little bit. And so this year we thought that we would retell part of the Christmas story, some, a few added liberties, with all due respect, some tongue-in-cheek stuff, no harm meant. And in 2020 we felt that we could try something new to bring hope and good news to, come on, anxious and beat-up people out there. So this is for you. So here is the Gospel app Christmas story with a twist of lemon cranberry with sprigs of thyme. Uh, And again, the recipe, doesn't it sound just Christmassy to you? Uh, Don't read anything into it. It's not symbolic. And by the way, if you do try to cook something or mix a holiday drink with that, and it turns out well, let us know. Time to get started with our tale. You've probably heard, maybe not though, this is how and why the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they had sex, she became pregnant. It was equally wonderful and miraculous, but also very troubling and, frankly, frightening. She was told that it was God's child and not to worry, right? And it rattled her fiancé, Joseph, too, of course, but an angel (laughs) told him that everything was kosher, that this was God's work and over his pay grade. Didn't an old dead prophet say that it's a virgin who will be pregnant and give birth and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us? So basically, Joseph, Mary, Mary. So he did, though his life was never going to be the same. When God intervenes, most often everything changes. It's always different. The angel even told them the baby's name, Jesus, which means God saves after all of the years of exile and now foreign occupation, shame and abuse, something big is finally about to happen. So, is it for good or is it for bad? I mean, who knew? They were merely players being moved by a celestial hand. And like I said, God, with all due respect, is very often a wild card. When he powerfully arrives, everything seems to change. In a moment, the goodness of everything may be hard to see for the players. Do you know what I mean? Well, back to the story. King Herod, a very emotionally unstable and jealous prone narcissistic monarch, got wind of the events and did everything he could to nip it in the bud, including murdering hundreds of children. And like I said, he's very unstable. His actions to specifically murder Jesus were unsuccessful, but there was a tragic dark pall in the land. And once again, from our keyhole view, God's ways are most often both wonderful and troubling at the same time. Nothing, not even a powerful narcissistic monarch, was going to get in the way of God's accomplishing his purposes with this infant. So, ironically, it was the year zero. I'm only kidding, it really wasn't. Back to the story. Mary gave birth to Jesus in an impoverished cave in the back of a Jewish ghetto in a small nobody town south of Jerusalem. Nothing of note in the community or neighborhood, except that it had been the home of the great King David centuries before. But it's hard to tell nowadays if one was to pick one word to describe the community and the people, it might be shame. Little true honor or social worth in Bethlehem these days. But over the next few days and weeks there were some very strange and out of place happenings. It was not uncommon to see shepherds in the streets. In fact, they were critical to the local economy. But it was strange to see them come just to bow and worship anyone, and particularly the newborn. That was very, very new. The shepherds just were not known for being very religious. In fact, everyone knows that they weren't considered clean in Jerusalem or the temple. So you would never see a more secular and cynical bunch worshiping Yahweh, except this day. Well, you can imagine the stories that the neighbors told, right? What were the parents thinking? letting their son be handled, much less worshiped. first of all, and secondly, being worshiped by these drunks and miscreants this is very troubling. I'll bring it up at the next city council meeting. Certainly there are zoning ordinances being violated. We're the priests, after all. They would have something to say for sure. This can't happen in our godly town. News at 11. Well, then it got worse. The shepherds left their charges in the field to be tended, we suppose, by the owners. Who knows? And they turned into traveling promoters of God and his messianic intentions. Crazy. And who knew that they could even spell Messiah. They went door to door, hostel to hostel, bar to bar. They told astonished people cryptically, using their own words and probably their own colorful phrases that the Messiah had come. Hardly credible messengers, am I right? What were the people to think who heard this? No one had ever seen anything like this. It's not over. Then there was a vast caravan of Arabic traders from the south, likely Nabataeans. Again, it wasn't uncommon to see these traders in the region, but always on the protected, highly-traveled international highways along the coast or across the Dead Sea. Bethlehem was definitely not on their route. It wasn't even programmed into most GPSs. And yet, camel after camel, loaded with ridiculous spices and precious metals worth more than all of the rest of the wealth in the entire region poured into Bethlehem saying that the heavens were directing them. A bunch of stargazing nonsense to the Jews, the people thought. And first the shepherds set up a tent city in the neighborhood, and now the pagans have landed? It would definitely be a long council meeting this time. It turns out that no one bothered the magi, and they had very little else to say. When they found Joseph and Mary, they too, like the shepherds before them, bowed to worship the child. I have to say that this was a very uncomfortable moment for Joseph and Mary. Can you imagine? The parents had been raised Jewish, according to the Torah. They were familiar with the worship of the synagogue. The shepherds probably did the best they could to sound religious, quote a few of the verses of the Psalms that they remembered. There was some familiarity about it to a degree. The worship of the Magi was nothing like that. They were Jews. They did not follow the Torah or the writings. Much of what they did and said and how they did it and said it would have caused Joseph to cringe and wonder if he should intervene. How was this pleasing to God, he would think. Well, you got to believe that that word got out on the streets, that pagan worship was happening in the back streets of the city of David, and that caused a ruckus, believe me. I get it. What were the Jewish people to make of this? Secular, uncircumcised, unbelieving magicians in the city of David, quote, unquote, worshipping a Jewish boy born out of wedlock to a socially disgraced family who hadn't even been afforded the common courtesy of a safe place to give birth by her own people, her own extended family in Bethlehem. (laughs) And a pagan service in Aramaic, not Hebrew. What's going on? And then the angel does come and warns the family to not stay in Bethlehem or even go back to Nazareth and Galilee, but to flee in great haste to Egypt, of all places. I mean, for those of you who know the tragic history between Israel and Egypt, this was a very strange and ironical place for the Jewish Messiah to find security. (laughs) Am I right? And the story just keeps getting stranger and stranger. Yet, yet, this is what we celebrate every year around this time. <laughs> Many argue that it's unlikely that the birth of Jesus could have happened in December. Scholars tend to propose that it was earlier in the fall, maybe around the Festival of Booths, right? The party, it was called back then. See, I'm not sure that the exact day actually matters. Something to ask the angels when we get to heaven, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk to them. I want to focus more on the why. The how it happened is very curious and strange, and as I said, wonderful and frightening at the same time. It was clearly, at least in my mind, a sign and message for so many in the Middle East. For the powers that be, those with great social weight and honor, for instance, Herod and the priests. this was very troubling, and for the most part a threat, or an anomaly for sure. This is not what they expected from God, and it's not clear that they had very high expectations related to God. And like I said, with all due respect, God's a wild card, humanly speaking, and this is my translation of his ways are so much higher than my ways. But looking back, we can now see that the powerful still were comfortable doing their own thing, and uncomfortable with a God who shakes that up and actually comes and pursues the unpowerful, pursues the lost, the unclean, the unreligious, the unbelievers, the outcasts, the foreigners, And so with this bent, we could say that there was no way that they would have come to worship the child priest king alongside the rough-edged blue-collar workers or the uncircumcised pagan priest. In fact, spoiler alert, in about three decades or so, they will gather together and successfully torture and murder this child to death. The spirit of Herod still reigned over Israel into Jesus' adulthood, but his death doesn't end his mission not at all and it's probably easy in hindsight to pick on the powerful but to be honest there weren't many regular jews who came and worshiped either at least not recorded there is also no record of even joseph and mary worshiping the child even though they were given heads up by no less than an angel maybe they did it's just not recorded so who knows it's clear now from our perspective, having the entire book in our hands, that the child strategically came for people like Joseph and Mary, the disempowered, the shamed, the disenfranchised Jews who were still identifying themselves as people of the exile, indirectly meaning the people who were abysmal failures to the covenant God, people who had forsaken him, betrayed him, ignored him, turned their backs on him, people Who were pretty sure that God was still angry or disgusted towards them or disappointed in them. People who just weren't sure if God had or could actually forgive them. In their heads, it was still not clear where they stood. Many people looked around and thought the worst. I would have. But Jesus had also come for the others. The outies, the unbelievers, like the cynical, shamed shepherds, the uncircumcised pagan nationals. He also came for those at the top of the societal food chain, but too often they weren't looking to change. That's a bummer. Jesus will say in his first public message that I am the one powerfully filled by God's very spirit. I came and am charged by Yahweh himself to proclaim really good news at last to the poorest and the most ashamed in the land. When was the last time you... Heard really good news, Jews, Romans, Bedouins, Greeks. Yahweh also sent me with life-changing message for the prisoners. Be free. And by the way, there are a lot of different kinds of incarceration and slavery. So I say, come to me and feel free. My charge also includes to tell the blind, those who are untouchables here, outcast, unwelcome in the temple, God help me, a disgrace to their families, those who have come to suspect that God is punishing them for some unknown sin, people who are relegated to beg for sustenance and have lived their lives in shame and dishonor, those who others with sight use that sight to look down upon or worse, perhaps to look away. I say to them in the name of Yahweh, see. And by the way, there are also many kinds of blindness. Am I right? It is time to see beyond this place this religion, this context, and see something new and miraculous, to see hope at last. Some of the blind will indeed see. You'll see. Also, I have come to pursue the shamed, the oppressed, the disenfranchised, those with no social worth or standing, whose lives don't seem to matter. These, not only will I pursue, but I will raise them to places of honor and worth. Won't that be something when it happens? And one last thing. I have come to tell all of you Who just know that God despises you, is disappointed in you, is disgusted with you, is in heaven now with crossed arms, refusing to even look at you, and who will not forgive you for all of your crimes against him, humanity and creation, that you can experience and know God actually liking you, loving you, adoring you. It's true. You can hear God say, you are my beloved son or daughter with whom I am well pleased. And I am going to make that happen. Well, that's Luke four eighteen to 19, highly revised and edited. So fun, right? Well, uh, that's the story. That's all for this video. If you, if you think it's a good idea, pass this on to family and friends uh, that you think might benefit from it. Could be fun dialogue at the virtual table. And if you do come up with a recipe for lemon cranberry twist with sprigs of thyme, get it out there uh, to me first. Uh, Lastly, this Christmas, consider treating yourself to one of the online experiential journeys for those Christians who do really struggle, uh, particularly this time of year. And believe me, you're not alone. If you struggle with a past wound or crime or betrayal or abuse or abandonment that you can't shake, you can't forgive, go to www.forgivingpath.com and learn a new biblical approach that has led over a thousand Christians just like you towards new freedom. A new power and new motivation to forgive. It's shame-free, 100% uh, guaranteed. We will not tell you to ever give up your right to justice. It's online, couple of hours, confidential on any smart device. It's evidence-based. You will immediately see actual results. Or if you struggle with anxiety, shame, depression, eating disorders, loneliness, isolation, or so many other mental health issues, come and try the second online gospel-driven experiential journey that we just launched called The Dance, -dance www.the-dance.org. Very powerful, two-hour, seven-part gospel presentation for you on any smart device. Like The Forgiving Path, this too is evidence-based and you will get immediate feedback of all the results. Again, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. There is a 50% off introductory offer through the end of the year. Just use 2020 in the coupon code at checkout. It will be a breath of fresh air for you this Christmas season. And maybe you will be newly motivated to dance a bit this holiday. So Merry Christmas from Gospel App Ministries and a final farewell to 2020. Thank God. Take heart, child of God.